You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here in Keep Canada Weird, my pal handsome Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore some of the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which we recorded on the evening of January 29th, 2023, Aaron and I find ourselves up to our neck in Canadian weirdness. We have the story of a ninja who attacked a cookie factory in Ontario. We share an update on the world's largest hockey stick, which for now resides in Duncan, British Columbia. And then we ask the question, what are deer and moose up to in Saskatchewan? So let's get into it. Handsome Aaron Airport, Sunday, January 29th. And I don't think I could possibly be more excited to record an episode of Keep Canada Weird with you. But before we start the episode, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's Sunday night. I'm pumped for the episode tonight. Mm -hmm. And yeah, let's get into it. Let's let's dive in deep. Before we do, you said you're doing good. Why are you doing good? Is there anything special you want to share? Anything work out for you? Just no, no, no. Just uh, the usual doing good. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just a life. Life is, you know, a, a wonderful thing. And you're feeling confident about yourself. You feel like you found your place. I don't, I don't, let's just move on. No, no, this is relevant. Do you feel like people like you? I'm not uh, paying you for this therapy session, so we can move right ahead. <laughs> All right, uh, well, I'm going to do some volunteer work for you here. I know Actually, you're, trying to, you're trying to trick me into you being my therapist. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm, I'm kind of front-loading this episode with a little bit about... Uh, how you feel about yourself and how you perceive the way others feel about you because we got some listener voicemail yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> let's just jump right into it okay okay let's get into it yeah let's go and it's gonna start off heavy so you got a seatbelt on yeah i i always have a seatbelt on even when i'm not in a seat do you have a glass of wine no i don't no Shoot. all right well too late to get one now so let's get into it okay we got our first piece of handsome Aaron Airport hate mail. Oh, yeah. Okay. I good. received an email with the subject line, less Aaron. Here's what they had to oh. say. <laughs> it says, I'll probably agree with them. So let's, uh, let's hear see. it. It says, mm-hmm. hey, Jordan, I'm a longtime listener. I drive about 2,000 kilometers a week, so I have quite an array of podcasts I listen to. Being from Newfoundland, I found yours through some local topics, and I love the, co- the coverage you do. But... I do Mm. believe criticism is a good thing. And funny, this criticism isn't even about you. The most recent podcast you release, I find it increasingly difficult to continue listening to Aaron. I originally thought it may have just been my mood on a given day, so I held off writing this, but it's been a persistent struggle. (laughs) Nothing personal, of course, but I find him increasingly critical of everything and everyone almost talking down on others. For example, the man who built the Lego tree, the raccoons in Toronto thing. Uh, My ADHD has me blanking on some others, but there were more that I meant to mention. I just figured I'd write this in case anyone else has brought this forward. And you can try to maybe reframe, reframe the back and forth or something. But regardless, much love and all the best to you. Mm. I'm just going to let and that what sit what love it is that he's giving. <laughs> How do you feel mm, about much that? Love. How do I feel? I feel good about it. Um, 
you know, he's, I think I, I have a theory of what's happening here with this. Okay, I do too. Uh, this is, okay, so this is a, um, people have different fetishes, right? <laughs> oh God, that's not, I have a feeling this isn't the same theory I have, but go yeah. ahead. This uh, listener has been listening to me talk down, what he perceives is as me talking down to different people, the Lego tree guy, whoever else that I've talked about on the show. So he mm -hmm. feels, um, you know, that this is a pattern of mine. Mm -hmm. So this individual has a fetish for being talked down to. Oh. And so he sees me as kind of the white whale of talking down to. So he needs to grab me. He needs to catch me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So the only way he can do that and get me to talk down to him about him is to send in an email and get read on the show expecting me to talk down to him and react so he can fulfill his fetish and i completely fell for it and you completely fell for it and that's okay rookie mistake but i'll say this i'm not going to give in to this pervert's uh desires so i very much appreciate the feedback and i will take it under consideration and thanks for listening okay do you want to know what though what doesn't stop there <laughs> oh, <laughs> I got I got a lot of mail this week. Uh, okay. This one was sent anonymously. This is from a different listener mm -hmm. sent anonymously. I don't know how you're going to handle this. Hi, Jordan. I'm just listening to your podcast, your most recent episode about the zoo that is allowing people to name the cockroaches after their ex. I would just like to let you know uh, that I will be naming a cockroach after Aaron. Thank you. You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. So this is anonymous. Is this is this someone I dated or something? Or no, you know? I think it's they're just. I have a feeling you rubbed them the wrong way. Well, because the reason I was I was wondering that was because they specifically said naming the cockroach after an ex, and then said I'm going to name yeah. one after Aaron. Oh, that's a good point. Is this a way to call in and say I'm Aaron's ex? I'm someone who dated Aaron in the past, and then I'm going to name a cockroach after him. <laughs> um, so Rick, what I want to say to this to this caller, anonymous caller, is reveal yourself. Mm. Um, Maybe they'll I, end up with a next name, a cockroach named after them. Uh, they probably have a few already. I would I would assume, but uh, may I, I shouldn't talk down to them. Sorry. Uh, mm. Let me let me switch <laughs> gears here. Um, yeah, if if this is an ex of mine that I don't, you know, they didn't reveal who they are. I assume it's a it's an ex from a very distant past. So reveal yourself. Who are you? You know, you didn't leave your name. Um, I mean, I never made any mistakes in any of my past relationships. So yeah, I can't imagine. I can't how imagine any of it what, could be justified. Yeah, exactly. So you're known universally as a wonderful and fair lover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, very fair. Very fair. I just want them to say, reveal yourself and come on the show. Mm -hmm. Let's have them on the show. So that's it for you. We're, we're done with the personal attacks on Aaron from these people, whoever they are. Anonymous, if they're working together, we don't know, but it's behind us. Got some other listener voicemail to catch up on, though. Okay. <laughs> this next one is also about the cockroach story, but uh, someone sharing a, uh, an American take on it that's going on right now. Listen to this. Hi, Jordan. Um, I was just 
listening to Keep Canada Weird, and I'm sure someone else has contacted you by now about this, and I'm listening to the name the cockroach bit. Uh, there has been a story in the news this week about a zoo in uh, Hawaii, I think, and they're selling mealworms, and the program's called Love Bites. So you name your ex um, or have a mealworm named after your ex. And then if you pay, I think it's $100, they'll do a video of the mealworm being eaten and send that off to whoever you named the mealworm after. And I think even with the smaller donations, they get acknowledgement too. So um, that goes along with what Aaron was saying, that it makes more sense to have something destroyed and the ex acknowledged rather than a cockroach that lives there forever. Mm-hmm. Keep on keeping it weird. We will. We will try. Yeah, that's a that's a kind of a vicious way to do it. Imagine getting yeah. an email telling you that some anonymous donator donor has named a mealworm after you, and you know here's a video of that mealworm being eaten by a rat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this, that that is much makes much more sense than the cockroach scenario. I hope, I hope it explains the whole thing though, because if I got that email with a video of a mealworm named after me being eaten by a rat, I, I would. I guess I would consider calling the police because this is a little threatening, isn't it? They would have to really present the email and the video in a way that that it's clear that it's like done in jest or like chill in humor, you know. And it's before you click play on anything, what read this? Yeah, and the presentation, yeah, the presentation would have to be very direct and mm -hmm. and obvious mm -hmm. <laughs> with what's going on. Here's ah. here's another here's another one. This uh, we've found ourselves on a bit of a um, like with a, a turtle kind of subplot going. We talked about the turtle being stolen. Then we had a caller call in. I think last week about um, an area in in their community where when you got sick of your turtles, you would drop the turtles off at like a pond or something. Yeah, yeah. Someone called and left us a message. His name is Eric. He seems to know a lot about the environment and biology and animals and he cautioned against uh letting turtles loose like that listen to what he had to say okay hi jordan and aaron this is uh eric from ontario a uh, long time listener and first time caller uh, i just want to give my two cents about a little story or listener mail you got uh on january 15th about red-eared sliders uh I just uh, want to let you guys know this is a really invasive species. I've documented them in Hamilton and Ottawa. Uh, they're not native to Canada. And uh, what they do is they outcompete our native turtles for resources like basking areas, nesting areas, food, all sorts of things. Uh, there's also a big concern for spreading disease uh, from red-eared sliders to native populations of turtles. Uh, the best thing you could do if you can't take care of a turtle, please give it to a rehab center or even a pet store. Transfer the ownership somehow. Do not release it in the wild. That goes for any pets, whether it's turtles, cats, dogs, birds, snakes, insects, you name it. Do not release it in the wild. Uh, love the show. Thanks. I hadn't even considered that when we spoke, but like I get invasive species is a huge problem both with plants and animals in Canada and all over the world but yeah I guess just like 
getting some turtle from a pet store that had been shipped there from who knows where and then just dropping it off in a you know at a lake in ontario is yeah that's probably not um that wasn't in like nature's plan no 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 uh mm. well who are we to say what nature's plan is though but well i don't know uh, eric sounded pretty smart i'm going with him but this reminds me of the movie uh arachnophobia where yeah, the I remember poisonous the movie, spider but... mm -hmm. comes over in the coffin like you know they had the poisonous spider had bit the dead the body and then the body died but the spider stowed away on on the coffin which came over to back to america and then that spider ended up mating with a local spider and then created this new uh hybrid uh spider that took over the town mm -hmm. the super spider yeah, I guess you could call it a super spider, but yeah, that reminds me of, of the film Arachnophobia. Well, it reminds me of my neighborhood. There's a certain plant called Japanese knotweed. And as far as I know, it was brought here as like an ornamental plant, I don't know, 50, 70 years ago or something. And somehow it ended up outside uh, someone's home in Nova Scotia. And now this certain type of plant, again, called Japanese knotweed, it looks kind of like bamboo. It is all over the province and it spreads like crazy. And we don't have um, any kind of like insects or anything that kind of eat it and, and keep it uh, at bay. So it's, it's growing like wild. And I've read a bit about it and it is an invasive species. And it turns out, I think in Japan, there's a certain bug that eats its roots and prevents it from going crazy. And that bug doesn't exist here in Nova Scotia. Hence that plant taking over the forest near my house. Um, one last piece of voicemail, and then we get into it. This is about, we, we talked weeks ago about the story with the owl breaking into the home. This uh, relates to that. Hi, Jordan and Handsome Marin Airport. I'm just catching up on the episode from, I think it's November 20th, 22nd of Keep Canada Weird and it's the owl story. I was thinking about the story that I'm about to tell you, listening to the owl story. And then I perked right up when I heard that Jordan had a backstory because um, something very similar happened to me. We lived in Benyon. Um, I'm in Halifax now, but I did live there with my parents and I was pretty young at the time, and my dad wasn't home. Me and my mom were just getting back from getting groceries. We were taking the car, or taking the groceries in from the car. I left the door open, going trip in, trip out. And then a big figure just flies ahead of above us. And uh, yeah, we didn't know what the hell at first. And then we realized it was a bat. And the first thing that my mom does is go and get Fruit of the Loom, full underwear and she wraps them around her head to protect her hair. I still to this day don't think I've ever laughed harder. But then I proceeded to do the same thing. And oh. um yeah, we had to call my dad. And he rescued us, but yeah, it was it was definitely quite an experience. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> cool story, but I, I don't understand how the underwear on the head fit in. Were they worried about the bat getting in their hair? I was I would be more worried about it like getting at my face. I think there's a real fear of, of bats getting tangled in people's hair. That's happened before, I guess. And that when I was growing up, that was always a thing that you were we were told is that a bat will get into your hair and get tangled up and why would it how would it that happen? I would be more like the bat's gonna claw my eyes out and give me some disease. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I guess underwear on the hair. Uh, I, uh, that's a good tip. I mean, I'm always wearing underwear, so I always have some on me. So if a bat is ever coming at me, I just take my underwear off and put it on my head and I'm fine. Okay. Well, all right. Well, we're all good. Um, yeah. the listener mail is caught up. That was a, that was a heavy one, but the work isn't over. We have a, uh, a full episode chocked full to the brim with Canadian weirdness. Mm. On tonight's episode, we're going to get into the story of the ninja that got jailed after attacking a cookie factory. We're going to talk about what's likely going to be the world's second largest hockey stick. And next, we're going to end with, I think something is happening with deer and moose in Saskatchewan. I don't know how it connects to what the cows were doing in Quebec, but it's all connected. It is all connected, and we will make those connections tonight. I think they're going to be pretty clear. I think they're going to make themselves, but let's get into it. Let's start with the uh, the ninja who uh, assaulted a cookie factory in Ontario. We're playing a little catch up on this story. Um, I had not heard of this happening. This, this, the actual attack by the ninja occurred on March 20th of 2020. But the reason it's on my radar and it came on the show is, is actually just getting through trial now. And it's quite a story. Uh, I'm going to run the clip and then we can chat it out here. Okay. A warning about this next story. Some viewers may find it disturbing. It's about a 2020 attack at a cookie factory by a man with two samurai swords. John Woodward walks us through what happened and the aftermath that led to the attacker's 17 year sentence. On a rainy day in March 2020, an employee of a North York cookie manufacturer walks towards the company's headquarters on Jethro Road. As he approaches, it's clear he is armed with samurai swords. In a video obtained by CTV News from Toronto Superior Court, the employee Eden Gidharry is stopped briefly at a gate before apparently using the swords to cut through the lock. An alarm sounds, employees start leaving the building in a hurry. Soon, Gidharry is stalking through the factory floor on his way to meet the plant manager, Stephen Brain, where, using Using one of the swords, he slashed Mr. Brain in his arm and leg and cut his laptop in two. When police arrived, Gid Harry put the sword down. In a statement to police, Mr. Gid Harry said, amongst other things, that he had to kill Mr. Brain due to a spell or curse, and that this suggestion had come to him while he was meditating. Court heard in the days before the attack, Gid Harry showed up at the plant manager's office distraught and upset. Subsequent meetings appeared to resolve the problem, but Gid Harry returned. Gid Harry pleaded guilty to aggravated assault, but the judge rejected arguments that Gid Harry was just vandalizing the computer, saying Mr. Brain was on the other side of the computer at the time. It would have been terrifying. Mr. Gid Harry's conduct in attempting to murder Mr. Brain is at the more serious end of the spectrum when the cases provided to the court are considered. Gid Harry refused to answer questions to diagnose a possible mental illness, but apologized in court, saying, It was never my intent to cause the family any grief or harm to Mr. Brain. It was just a bad time for me. For what it's worth, I am sorry for it. The plant manager could not work at the company anymore. The court heard the attack forever changed him. That story was like about an inch away from being too heavy for Keep Canada Weird. What mm. the heck? Uh, of all things, to show up with two samurai swords and people who have are only hearing the audio and don't see the video, the, the way this man is walking through the cookie factory with the samurai swords is it looks like he is about to take on a pack of 30 ninjas like he's armed for yeah. combat and going to kill 
Yeah, it looks like a scene from an action movie or something, the uh, way he's walking through yeah. the uh, factory. I, I actually, I searched the guy's name, Ed and Gid Harry, the guy responsible, and his. I found a Facebook page for him that is full of photos of him in like ninja clothes with the exact samurai sword. So I think wow. this person probably fancies them, or at least fancied themselves a little bit of a ninja. But as far as I could tell, the, the dispute he seems to have is he thought that other employees of this cookie factory were talking about him and making fun of him and he went to like the manager for help the manager thought the problem was solved until the guy shows up with the two samurai swords marches to his office swinging samurai swords and i don't think it mentioned it in the news clip we heard but he actually hit his manager twice once in the mm -hmm. arm and once in the leg with the swords and then in, with one swipe, he, what he did when they say he cut the laptop in half, he swung the sword horizontally and chopped the screen, like the screen portion of the yeah, laptop like in half or right something. in half. That is terrifying. Oh, can you imagine being in your office and all of a sudden some guy comes in with samurai swords swinging them around like that? It's again, it's, it's like from a movie. How do you re react to that in the real world? Mm -hmm. He ends up get he and well i guess the way you react to that is you just stand there and wait for the police to arrive luckily this guy didn't continue his attack and the police got to show up take him into custody without anything worse happening um it gets to court just a week or two ago uh i've, I've never heard of this happening before he pled guilty to like some kind of like a assault charge um but the judge declined that and instead charged found him guilty of attempted murder like i've never heard of someone pleading guilty to one thing but then a different a judge imposing like a yeah. higher penalty but he's put away for 17 years 17 wow so that is that's a pretty strong statement that's a yeah that's a that's a long sentence to be you know i i guess when i was thinking about it maybe i would have imagined two or three years but 17, he's really, really going away for a while. Uh, and as he should be. Uh, I, I think another part of that, that uh, of that story that maybe justifies that extreme of a sentence is um, it seemed like there may have been some attempts made by him to uh, avoid like mental health diagnosis and treatment, which I think pretty right. clearly, like if, if you have a sword at the cookie factory, because your boss put a curse on you and you learned about that when you were meditating. Uh, I think it's, uh, I think it makes sense that you get some mental health checkup. Oh yeah. Yeah. At least yeah. A, like a quick review. It's a red flag, but I, I also wanted to discuss uh, about this story. Uh, the last name of the boss, Mr. Brain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've never heard that last name before. No. Have you? Pinky and the Brain, but I think... Well, yeah, but that's not... That's a, probably a first name. And this that's is not real, real life we're talking yeah. about. Here. No, I've never heard of Brain as a last name. No, Brain. Like, and when I was reading the article, I was like, is it Brian or Brain? What, what What's going on then? It's Brain. No, it's, it's Mr. Brain. Yeah, and, and, and imagine your boss is Mr. Brain. In you can't time. argue with a boss whose last name is Brain. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of got it's you. like, well, I think I'm right, but is but I can't argue with Mr. Brain. He's Mr. Brain. <laughs> you got the odds against you there that you're going to be right. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's move on to the next one. Do you remember us talking about the world's largest hockey stick 
which is in a place called uh, Duncan, B.C. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I think I talked down to that entire town about that hockey stick. I think you did, and you. Mm -hmm. I think you pissed off. You upset someone, and I think they may have wrote earlier. I think so, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Uh, if, if you don't recall, when we talked about it months ago, Duncan, B.C. has a gigantic hockey stick on the front of, like, a hockey arena. It's the world's largest wooden hockey stick. The reason we talked about it before is because, like, a woodpecker had moved into it, and the woodpecker was messing with it, and they ended up having to put, like, metal bracing or something on it to... Yeah. Um, prevent the woodpecker from destroying it well the world's largest hockey stick and i guess the community of duncan have bigger problems than a woodpecker now the problems are the americans here's mm -hmm. what's happening Hockey rivalries between Canada and the U.S. run deep. While the drama plays out on the ice, now a battle of shinny is brewing outside rinks on Vancouver Island and in Illinois. Brendan Strain is chasing the stick tonight. It's big. Well, it's a symbol of our town. Weighing 28 tons, as much as six and a half elephants. It's huge. Constructed out of steel and Douglas fir. It's in the Guinness Book of World Records. Biggest stick in the country or, you know, in the world, actually, I think. In the world, but not for long. 3,600 kilometers away in Lockport, Illinois. A new hockey rink has just been approved by city council. On top, a new stick. Nearly 40 feet longer than North Cowichan's 218-foot-long behemoth. Well, honestly, man, when it comes to in Lockport here, I like quirky. So anything quirky, I can get behind. The mayor of Lockport says, go big or go home. The rink and stick is being built by a private investor. The proposal was unanimously approved by city council. They will start uh, breaking ground here real soon. So they'll be working on it throughout this year. So you guys have a little time if you want to build an extension on your hockey stick and try to keep up. Lockport currently doesn't have a hockey rink within its borders, so the community of nearly 30,000 is buzzing. Why throw the world's largest hockey stick out front of it? Uh, I don't know, why not? <laughs> it's kind of, we, we kind of like to do that around here. If we're gonna do something, do it big, right? Nick Jacobs is the midday host on 95.9 The River in nearby Aurora, Illinois. He points to another world's largest, just constructed in neighboring Juliet. They just erected the largest handmade guitar sculpture in the entire world. Which has already attracted a lot of attention worldwide. It's a fun thing, and, and why not? Back on the island, people don't seem too upset about being dethroned. The competition is good for our image because it kind of gets forgotten. Regardless of the world's largest title, the controversy is once again giving this old stick the attention it deserves. And on the bright side, not all hope is lost. Duncan can rest assured the, the hockey stick outside of this new one going up in Lockport is left-handed, so you at least have the world's largest right-handed hockey stick. Uh, get a new, get an original idea. That was what I was going to say was the guy, the, who was he, the mayor or who, who was that guy again who talked in Elon, the town he, in Illinois? He's like, we like quirky here. Yeah, he's like the That's mayor. just how we do things here, you know, go big or go home or whatever. It's like, yeah, I could see if you were coming up with an original idea and putting it up like, yeah, we, we're making the world's biggest this thing. But you're just taking a town on the other side of the border, taking their idea and making a slightly bigger one. Mm -hmm. Then being like, yeah, that's how we do things here. Ooh. Yeah, and just being like cocky about it and proud about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like as if, oh, yeah, well, we'll just make a, a slightly bigger stick and then and that'll show everyone. 
whatever point I'm trying to prove right now. Yeah, I'm not I'm not crazy about this guy in the US. I think he should uh, find something. God, he sounds like a jerk. Also, how many times uh, can you say erect in a news story? Did you find it was excessive? I have to be honest, I didn't of all people to not think about that. I I didn't notice. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> My mind must be elsewhere. Yeah, I know exactly where your mind is. But Duncan BC, you had it first. Well, I hope, you know what I truly hope happens here is that I hope this new giant hockey stick in Illinois comes under attack by woodpeckers. Mm. I wonder if it's made of wood. I don't think it said what it was made out of. I don't know. I'm sure the woodpeckers could take it down no matter what it's made out of. Yeah, I hope some kind of insect. Or maybe the woodpeckers could just attack the people going in and out of the arena. Mm. Yeah. I'm and, and in that way, the blood will be on the hands of that town's mayor. Mm-hmm. Speaking of blood, speaking of animal attacks, and speaking of the world as we know it, changing permanently and in dramatic ways, we got to get to the next story. And this one I say is pretty disturbing to the point that if someone is listening with their children, I would think now's a good time to ask the children to leave the room. We talked a lot over the past several months. We've been closely following the story of the cows laying siege to Quebec. They escaped the farm. It looked like they were in the woods organizing an attack and planning something. They were tricked and coaxed back into the farm, and that is all settled now in Quebec, luckily for the people in Quebec. The next battleground between human and nature isn't in Quebec. It looks to be in Saskatchewan, and it looks to be deer and moose, either working together or working in parallel, probably inspired by what happened uh, in Quebec. But something is happening in Saskatchewan with deer and moose. And I think we can showcase that with two separate stories. Aaron, before we get into the stories, I know you know what is happening in advance. Is this this something you think we're going to be watching for a while? Is this a big thing on the horizon? I think we have no choice but to watch it. I think this is all part of a plan. It's all a small piece in a big picture. Okay. Let's start in a community called Dunduran. Uh, this will give us a look inside at what the deer are doing. And then we'll catch up with the moose, which is perhaps even more frightening. So yeah. we'll ease you into this. A Dundurn area farmer is sounding the alarm over a growing problem he cannot contain. Wildlife is taking over more of his land. And as Keenan Sorokon reports, he's not sure where to turn to solve the problem. When winter began and the snow started to fall, Ivor Johnson was happy to see the odd deer come to his yard. Wildlife is one of his favorite parts of living in the country. But in two months, what was a joy has become an impossible nuisance as a small herd quickly grew to hundreds. Two or three deer are cute. Two or three hundred are a problem. The herd isn't just harming his farming business, but damaging his property, leaving piles of deer manure, and then the predators they attract. With so many coyotes around the yard, Johnson keeps his dogs inside as much as possible. I'm scared to let them out. 
The, I took them for a run one day and the kites lured one of my little red dog away and tried to get him. Johnson is hoping the Ministry of Environment can issue him some depredation tags, a permit that allows deer or elk to be killed if they're causing damage or hardship. As Johnson's patience reaches its limit, he finds himself in the same position as hundreds of other farmers and landowners across the province. Daryl Crabb with the Saskatchewan Wildlife Federation says a variety of issues are coming to a head this winter. We've been watching a somewhat of a perfect storm approach an early winter and early snowfalls encourage deer to gather in large herds. Crab says after 12 years of constant growth, roughly 15% fewer hunters purchased licenses this year, creating potentially hundreds of thousands of fewer tags issued. Depending upon what the success rate might be, we're still talking a significant number of animals that would have been harvested. This is also the first year of the province's new trespassing legislation, requiring permission to hunt on private land. The Ministry of Environment says it no longer issues depredation permits for specific issues. Instead, it encourages preventative measures that removes access to the food source, like fencing. Two deer are cute, 200 deer are a problem. I like that quote. <laughs> yeah, that's a good quote. Um, that's a lot of deer. That's a lot of deer to have on your property. Yeah, and like he says, like the deer are one thing, but then bringing like all the coyotes and uh, imagine even just ticks, like, you know, yeah. ticks on deer are this big thing now because you can catch whatever Lyme that disease. is, Lyme disease from it. Mm -hmm. uh, so whenever I see like deer on my property, I'm, I'm always thinking like, oh God, I'm going to get Lyme disease now. Imagine seeing 200 of them laid out in your field. And then all you take the time. all the time, just <laughs> looking time. at your house. Yeah. Yeah. Just waiting to, to run you over in a herd. And then in the other side of the field, there's like, you know, 50 coyotes just staring at your little red dog. Yeah. Trying yeah. to get them. <laughs> I think that's when I would just put a for sale sign up and just walk away. Yeah. When do you, when do you choose to sell the farm? I'm watching a movie on Netflix or a series on Netflix right now called The Watcher about someone who buys a home and uh, weird stuff starts to happen in and around their new home. And I'm at the part of the series where they're like, should we sell this place at a loss to get out of the situation mm -hmm. or continue to push through? I think this man is at that point. He's at a crossroads. Am I going to war or am I going to cash out? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what I would do. I would. Pro it seems like he there. There's nothing he can do about it right now. Uh, well, what he's trying to do, and they they used like fancy language uh, to explain this, but he's trying to get permission to shoot and kill the Just deer to and hunt the coyotes. Them. Yeah, to to kill them. Yeah, and but he's uh, not getting that, is he? No, it seems like what they're saying is you build a fence. <laughs> a fence, yeah, a fence. Uh, but but that's a big a fence is expensive, very expensive to build. Uh, I have this little lot in the city, and I got a quote to put a fence around my backyard, and it was like eight thousand dollars. I was and shocked. That's, a, at that's how much. on the low end because yeah, that was for um, a crappy fence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like your you know bare minimum you know for a small property fence, but. Mm. For him, like that would be an unaffordable amount for him to, to mm -hmm. build like a, a, a decent fence around that property. Yeah. When you look at his property, like in the news, the actual video uh, report that we just heard, he his yard is like a massive field. I can't even imagine what it would cost. His yard is big enough that there could be 200 deer sitting in the field and roaming around without, you know, being on top of each other. Uh, like Matthew McKay says in the chat of the live stream, uh, bullets are a whole lot cheaper. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and th there is this, 
I think they call it a call, a calling when you, when there's so many of a certain animal, they like will pay people to, sh you know, to harvest them, I think is now the polite way of saying kill them. Um, yeah. When does it get to that point? I wonder, but I think of all of that, that's the way we've been talking about this is like this kind of natural problem. But do you think there is more to this? Are these deer somehow inspired by what they saw start in Montreal, in Quebec, and per that the cows start, and perhaps they're trying to take it further? Yeah, I think so. I think it's all part of one large plan. I think the animals are, this is the very early stages of it, but they're making plans to take back the planet. Mm -hmm. Take, you know, they have all this, all of this, 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 you know, urban development that that's just stretching further and further into what's theirs into, you know, and destroying wildlife and destroying nature and, and the animals are now starting to make plans to take it back. This is early days, very early days, but that's what's happening here. All of the stories we cover are connected. It's almost like the movie Avatar, right? Except instead of those weird blue people, it's actually just the animals because we hear mm -hmm. about owls breaking into homes. We hear about different animals attacking people. There's a battle playing out right now that Canadians don't know about. There, the war raging in Toronto between the government and the raccoons right. is heated up. No, can, Tr Torontonians are starting to notice it, but they don't realize what's happening. They think that the city's just not cleaning up the dead raccoons. No, what you're seeing is the battlefield when the you know as the war is raging on. Well, whatever people, like this is you know when you watch a movie like especially like a disaster kind of movie or a, or maybe an alien invasion type movie. There's always that setup in the early few scenes where like the main characters are driving in their car and there's a news story on and it's kind of casually talking about. Oh, you know, crop circles in the fields or whatever. Like it's kind of just lightly touching on these mm -hmm. stories that mm -hmm. are just setting the background mm -hmm. for this big event that's about to happen. So it's just providing some some subtext. And I think that's what you're seeing here on our show is that we're starting to talk about how the animals are are making moves. They're very small moves right now, but they're happening. Something is happening. And for anyone who listens to this series, that's clear. Uh, whatever the deer are up to in Saskatchewan, the moose are working with them or have a separate parallel mission that I think appears to be a lot more aggressive than what the deer are up to. I want to get my son to sit in on this one. Okay. Here's Hello, what... Everyone. Here's what the moose are up to in Saskatchewan. A Saskatoon homeowner is dealing with two broken window panes in his front room after he says a moose cracked the glass not once, but twice. As Carla Schenkerich reports, while he wasn't home at the time, all accounts point to a moose being on the loose in his East College Park neighborhood. This is Abby, a four-year-old Westie who doesn't back down when she's protecting her territory. We're Abby, just saving that, saving that, saving us from all these big animals. Craig LaPointe is dog-sitting for his brother and wasn't home when Abby stood her ground. I think maybe he was looking for something to eat, and then 
with her barking so strongly, then that's how the animal reacted against that window. And that's a fair assessment, according to wildlife researcher Ryan Brook from the U of S, who says judging from the aggressive nature of the damage, it could have been a big deer, but likely a moose. But if there was a pet, and in this case, sounds like there was more than one pet, uh, the animal may have may have hit more than once on purpose. And that other pet was Coco the cat, who seemed to be more startled as he hasn't willingly returned to the window since, according crazy, to the point. Eh? Crazy. So based on the evidence in the snow, it looks like the animal came from the neighbor's yard up to the window where it came face to face with Abby, the watchdog. Then moose can be very, very aggressive. They're big, often the biggest animal around. And so they do have a tendency to, you know, if they're startled by dogs or people, they may in some cases uh, go on the offensive. Brooke says if moose make their way into the city, it's disorienting compared to the wild. They can go over and under just about anything. And so it's a bit of a surprise, I think, when all of a sudden they come against a, a large structure and they can't move. And there's some hair in the sill. So. so window repairs are in the works, but the massive cracks in the glass aren't hampering Abby's ability to be on the job. They say a, a, a dog is man's best friend. I think that dog, Abby, probably understands what is going on in this world and is trying to stand up for its owner to get the moose off of the property. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, uh, sometimes a small dog doesn't realize it's a small dog. And this dog tried to take on a moose from the couch <laughs> yeah, through yeah. the window. Uh, at one point, the homeowner uh, brings his cat into the living room. Uh, have you ever seen a cat that looks so terrified to be alive? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have now that I recall. I don't think I have seen a cat. So, uh, oh, I the got, scaredy cat. That's that's where the, the term scaredy cat comes from. They're talking specifically about Coco, that black uh, disoriented mm. cat. I have my 10-year-old son sitting in. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that story? Is there anything about that that stood out as no. it's regular stuff, I guess? No, just, just another day in, in crazy moose town. Yeah, another, yeah. another moose broke a window. Where's my iPad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. Thanks for sitting in, bud. Thank you to everyone in the chat. <laughs> Something's up. Yeah, the moose, you know, they're massive, massive animals. I don't think people who, like, if you've never seen a moose up close, like in person, like you, you've probably seen them, uh, you know, on, on movies and TV shows or whatever, but my God, they're huge. I've never seen a moose in person. Uh, I know, like, I've seen deer. I've been up close to deer often, but I've never seen... And I understand that a moose is a whole lot bigger than a deer. Uh, yeah. But what I know about moose... What 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 do you know about <laughs> so, moose? What? I'm like, I'm, I'm excited, so I'm losing my words. The reason I'm so excited is because one of my favorite viral videos... Uh, was shot in Cape Breton, the island that we're both from, and it involves a moose, and I'm about to play it, and I'm just beyond excited. Okay, uh, okay. The, I think if we're afraid that the moose are working with deer to take over the world in Saskatchewan, I think this next video may put our minds at ease because it really shows that moose um, aren't the the samurais that we heard of earlier attacking cookie factories uh the video i'm going to play aaron is about the moose that's slipping and falling on the ice in cape breton oh i remember as, this as yes, the world's yeah, yeah. most cape breton cape bretoners 
watch on in horror. Yes. Do you know anything about the origin of this video that I'm about to play? I can't remember. I remember it making the rounds on social media and it was like heavily, heavily viewed. Okay. As far as I can tell, here's the setup for this video. It seems that a couple in the highlands of Cape Breton is my understanding, like up near Inganish, saw see a moose coming onto their property and they're either like in their living room or looking out the front door or something and they're watching the moose walk between their cars and they're reacting to this moose uh being near their cars uh buckle up this is an yeah. amazing i i'm, I'm and i'm not even overselling it it's this good and i'll probably play it a couple times <laughs> yeah let's just loop it over and over again for the rest of the episode stay here Holy shit. Stay here, Michael. Don't move. Oh, he's going to go that way, I bet. Okay, Michael. Uh. Come on. Oh! Oh, what a sin! Oh! That what a sin, Jamie! It's not... It's too icy for him. Yeah, well, if he falls up against my car, he's going to right her off. Uh, I shouldn't have had my kids sitting next to me yeah, for that one. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about the language in that video. Do you do you know what writer off means, bud? No. <laughs> that means wreck it forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to play it one more time. Oh no, I'm getting out of here. Stay here. Holy shit! Stay here, Michael. Don't move. Oh. Oh, he's going to go that way, I bet. Okay, Michael. Come on. Oh! Oh, what a sin! Oh! That what a sin, Jamie! It's not... It's too icy for him. Yeah, well, if he falls up against my car, he's going to right her off. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh man, I love that accent. Be, even being a Cape Bretoner, when I hear like, "Oh, it's a sin, Jamie," <laughs> she even sounds very go Cape Breton. He gonna write her off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's he, ha Jamie, the son with the colorful language, has a good point though. If a moose slips on ice and lands on your car, there's not gonna be much left of your car. Well, he you can would see write her the off. Moose, like when you like, you know, there are people who are just listening to this, but YouTube this video. Mm. But it's like you can see how high the moose is above the car. Yeah, yeah. I should have explained the video. What you see is a gigantic moose kind of tiptoeing on ice next to Jamie's, like, what looks like, I don't know, a 2000 Civic or something. And at one point, the moose slips and falls kind of down onto his belly. Uh, Jamie's fear is that the moose is going to get back up and fall onto his car and ride her off. But Jamie's mom believes it to be a sin what's yeah. happening and just feels empathy for the moose yeah if you've never seen that video i'm gonna make a video and put it up on my tiktok to share that as well if you if you don't follow me on tiktok I, i'm trying to make one video a day on there mm -hmm. and, and i've been having a blast uh, exploring value villages across the province and documenting them um, oh, I but, saw you go to one value village so far. Oh, I've gone to three value villages. And oh, have you? I today, just see what you post on Instagram, so I don't yeah. really. Yeah. Today I went to a flea market. Mm -hmm. So it's been wild. But uh, 
that situation with the moose and the car, I love it. If anyone knows Jamie, who was worried about his car, uh, try to get me in touch with him because I, I would love to talk to him about what actually happened there. Yeah. And with that said, uh, the show, I, I don't want to tease too much now because it, it's still up in the air, but the show has been in contact with another Canadian celebrity. And we're hoping that next week we're able to bring the interview that all Canadians want on this show. Yeah, it's the interview that the world has been waiting for. Mm -hmm. Let's start wrapping it up with uh, with that tease. Uh, anything else you want to say about what the deer and the moose are up to, about Jamie's car, about the world's largest hockey stick, about a samurai, or the listeners who think you suck? I just want to uh, say to the listeners who think I suck, man, it sucks to suck. <laughs> All right. Well, Aaron, let's wrap this up. Until next time. Jordan, until next time. Uh, look out for weird, suspicious animals. Keep your stick on the ice. I want to thank you for helping Aaron and I in our mission to keep Canada weird. But let us call out to you for even greater support in this. If something unusual happens in your town, please let us know. And the best way to let us know is by sending a voice memo via nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. We both hope to hear from you. Now, before we part here, I'm going to end with some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing an evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A shout out to the Internet's favorite cult leader, Unicol, who provides this series intro and outro voiceovers. And lastly, but most importantly, a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. And on the topic of support, let me thank the newest subscribers to the premium feed. Kate, Amanda, and Gavin, thank you for your generous support. For anyone else who'd like to support the show, but can't do it by way of a premium feed subscription, you can help keep Canada weird by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting your like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, want to give feedback on this show, or just want to say hi to us, you can reach us at nighttimepodcast.com contact. We hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte.